0: In this sutta, the two Arahants are discussing and um, <coughs> several aspects of the Dhamma and um, Sariputta is giving the answers and the question, next question is how many kinds of beings are there? and the answer is be, there are these three kinds of being being with sensual desire, being with form, and being without form. And what the, uh, this is referring to is in the first instance, the sensual desire at the karma loka. Loka means the same word as location, a realm and karma, K-A-M-A not uh, karma but karma is desire so that's a desire location the realm with desire and that's us and anything below us and actually quite a number of beings above us now this below and above does not refer to uh, a physical place because that's of course impossible but what it refers to are states of consciousness so we have a human state of consciousness well we are all acquainted with this state of consciousness and sometimes it's a very low state of consciousness like when people are in a war and are killing and shooting or in concentration camps or any kind of um, negative situation the state of consciousness is very low and actually it can go to an animal state of consciousness it can also go to a hellish state of consciousness which we can have heard about and um, have read about but in our own consciousness we can be quite aware of different levels of consciousness and if we don't watch out and refuse to have lower states of consciousness will undoubtedly have them there comes a time when the mind is strong enough and this is one of the aspects of the (coughs) concentration in meditation comes a time when the mind is so strong that it will not ever drop into lower states of consciousness because it knows the danger and then there comes the time of course when the mind has been purified enough not to do that but until such time the mind has always this danger of going lower now the human state of consciousness is supposed to be one where the five precepts are not broken no killing, no stealing, no sexual misconduct no lying, gossiping, harsh words backbiting no drugs or alcohol which means no confused states of mind the opposite of them being uh, states of mind which have loving-kindness generosity faithfulness and reliability the right kind of speech uplifting and mindfulness so that's supposed to be a human state of consciousness and of course we know that those are not always available to all human beings so we have, according to the Buddhist um, cosmology 31 levels of existence and we are number 5 from the bottom now if we look at it that way maybe we will stop being surprised at the mess that our world is in if our state of state of consciousness, even the best of it the human state, even the best of the human state which is strictly a human state of consciousness is only mm. number five from the bottom and there are 26 states of consciousness above us Buddha did not say states of consciousness he said realms of existence and now this kama loka, this desire location, this realms, this sensual desire extends also to states above us, the deva realms in the Buddhist uh, language in Pali um, what we might call in Christian terminology angels or creatures like that uh, are called devas and the lowest, um, the lowest of those are called the Boomer devas Boomer is earth the earth devas and they're those um, beings that some people can see especially children they um, they can see them in trees and bushes and at Finton, they had them in their cabbages and grew huge cabbages because they talked nicely to them and uh, so they are around and uh, sometimes called uh, gnomes or uh, trolls and all sorts of names are given to them the um, small children often can be found talking to them one sees them talking to nothing because oneself can't see anything but they are talking to somebody obviously so um, it's not that they are so much wiser or anything like that, the children are children, but their mind hasn't been so filled with all this thinking yet, so that they can actually be far more sensitive to their surroundings than we are. Oh, grown-ups can see them too, of course. I mean, it doesn't uh, mean that only children see them. Well, that's the lowest kind of a deva, And they are still in the sensual desire. In fact, there are 16 deva realms, if I remember right, um, that are still in the sensual desire realm. They are supposedly having a wonderful time. And it's not desirable to be reborn there or to have that state of consciousness because there isn't enough dukkha there to make them practice they are enjoying themselves now this is not now necessarily just you know some other being there are people who are so adept human beings so adept at the escape mechanism that they can pretend they're all right I've met dozens of them they can pretend by having sufficient money and spending it nicely and constantly escaping into activity constantly escaping into sensual uh, gratification through any of the senses even if it's just thinking that um, life's okay as long as they think something nice now that escape mechanism is very popular in our realm it's um, profoundly used in television the movies um, all the different colors that everything is made up for instance the colors of cars there are also I read a statistic somewhere sometime that certain colors arouse certain emotions and so that one feels better in a certain color car well when I was a kid there were two colors black and gray well, imagine now you go to a car dealer and they only have black and grey cars. I mean, you'd walk right out again. So the es- the escape that we have managed is um, creating in... if one has enough funds and health and um, certain um, prerequisites for this, if one has all these things, uh, that one can actually pretend one lives in a world in which everything's okay, everything's all right, with the best of all worlds. In in, uh, in Germany, we have a saying for that: "Peace, joy, and pancakes." And uh, it's not unusual that things are taught that way too. the Buddha was of course adamant that that's utter nonsense but it's um, it has a certain what I'm referring to and um, making the um, uh, analogy to is that the Deva realm has everything so beautiful everything looks beautiful smells beautiful has a lovely touch to it and um, so that Dukkha is kept at bay, and the stories which are written about it or appear in the Pali Canon about the Devaram is that the only moment of Dukkha that these beings have is a moment of death. They're totally unprepared, of course. Well, now, we have this in our realm. People are totally unprepared for death. So they might have lived very nice lives, actually, but when it comes to death, which has to come to It's a tragedy. And in the Devaram, it's described as that they're beautiful up to the last moment and then they shrivel up and they can't stand this, that they look so horrible and then then they're dead. Now, whether this is fantasy or not, I wouldn't have a clue. I mean, I don't know. But that's what it's described as. Uh, But one can... uh, make uh, analogies to human beings I mean that are very rich and uh, happen to have uh, a very um, uh, a life which is full of sensual gratification and then of course all of a sudden they are old and miserable and uh, dying so there are sixteen of those different realms and they become more and more subtle Um, the first one as I said is the earth deva which is uh, so the form is actually still visible I mean not not to everybody naturally most people don't see it the interesting aspect about the deva realms is that many many people without seeing them can feel them they um, there's no physical um, below and going with. I mean hell isn't down there and heaven isn't up there I mean up there that's a sky that's not heaven <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's a strictly a consciousness level so the, the devas are all around us and uh, while our physical eye is very poor most people even have glasses um, the, uh, our feeling apparatus isn't that um, gross and many people can feel them it is said that the devas come around to every place where the true Dhamma is being preached and because they're very not all of them but a lot of them are very keen to hear Dhamma so that which is another reason why it is being said that the Dhamma protects the Dhamma practitioner. They have a certain protective quality about them. It's not that they um, do anything, but when they, are, when they are around, the whole atmosphere is quite different, and uh, that can be found anywhere where there are meditators. Now, I'm sure you've been in cathedrals, everybody has, and especially old ones. Now, that's difficult in Australia, but in Europe that's very easy. They are very old and very ancient, and some of them are extremely beautiful. And they are only, nowadays, many of them are only museums. Nobody goes there anymore except to look at the beauty of it. And yet, when you walk inside, there's a feeling of reverence, that you can feel, and there's a feeling of um, um, collect coll- that the minds get collected. In fact, I have walked into many of them because they're very interesting and just sat down on a bench and started meditating because it seemed to be the only thing that one could do there. Now, that happens because so much, um, um, so much of the consciousness of the people who've gone there has been directed towards a higher level of consciousness so the feeling in these old cathedrals is I would say always I've never been in an old kathiros yet where it wasn't is always a feeling of holiness now the same of course uh, is the case if one comes into a place where people meditate and the same is the case when you come to into a discotheque I mean it's dreadful I mean a, a deva would never dream of going there
1: <laughs>
0: they'd have to be crazy and they're not so the, uh, the uh, presence of consciousness not the physical body these physical bodies are just bodies but the presence of consciousness makes all the difference in the feeling of the place and uh, everybody can easily uh, recognize that we don't have to be psychic for that there's no need to be psychic one knows exactly so these ha- levels of consciousness have an influence on us we have the, an influence which is um, can be detrimental but it can also be very helpful Now with the 16 Deva realms and the 5 uh, realms including the human which, um, which are the Rasa realms there's 21 realms then there are 4 highest realms and 6 in between so the 4 highest realms are called the Brahma realms and they are mentioned here as being without form now the Brahma realms are the God realms So it's often asked, well now, Buddhism is not a theistic religion, so don't they have a god? No, they don't have a god. But the Buddha certainly talked about gods. Beings of the highest nature, without any physical form, no physical aspect at all to them, who have, um, whose minds are so developed that they are they are omnipresent and think they're omniscient and also think they're everlasting and um, there's funny stories about them in in the in the, in the Pali canon where <laughs> one monk didn't believe what the buddha was saying and he thought well he'd have better find out and he was an extremely good meditator so he used his mind to go to the higher realms and he uh, was psychically uh, uh, adept (coughs) and in every realm he asked and in every realm he was directed to the next realm because nobody knew the answer he wanted to know the end where the end was of the uh, four primary elements he wanted to know where they were ending nobody had a clue so they always said well go to the next higher realm So in the end, he was directed to the highest Brahma realm. And he went up there with his mind and asked the same question of Brahma, the highest God. And Brahma said, I'm the highest God. I am omniscient. I'm omnipresent. I'm everlasting. I know everything. And the monk said, but I can ask you that. I want to know where the end of the four elements are. And he said, I'm Brahma, I'm omniscient, I'm omnipresent, I'm everlasting. And he did that three times. And finally the monk said, well, what is this? Why don't you answer me? He said, come here monk, come He said, I can't tell you what what the answer is, but I can't admit that in front of all these other gods. So you go and ask the Buddha. (laughs) So this is the kind of uh, story that the Buddha would tell, um, about the the Brahma realms that these are beings with um, such um, development and such purity that they have these ideas and that's where the God idea comes from because of the idea being for everlasting which they're not he said now in all the realms everything is just as impermanent as it's here but the time elements completely change now that's very easy to understand, actually, if you think of it like this: if you have a book in front of you, which is utterly boring, and you've been reading it for ten minutes, you
1: think, "Oh my God,
0: I can't stand this! I couldn't possibly read any more." So you put it aside, and you think, "Oh well, what a waste of this time," and you forget about it. Now you have a book which is really interesting, and you're reading, and you're reading, and you're reading. And after a while, you look on the clock and it's three o'clock at night. And you've been reading for hours because it's so fascinating. And you didn't know the time was passing. Same in meditation. You get a good meditation if you're in the fourth jhana. You don't know what the time is. In fact, you're sorry, which the spell goes. But now, sitting here, thinking, 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 after ten minutes, you think, my God, is this ever going to stop? So, the time element is completely arbitrary and quite dependent upon concentration. So in the brahman realm, they think they're everlasting because they're so concentrated, and it goes on in our time counting forever. But in, in reality, it's also impermanent. And if they don't do anything about themselves, about their practice, they can fall down into any of the realms. Now, there are people, humans, n- not that they can remember Brahma realms, but there are quite a number of human beings who have an inkling that they were in a Deva realm beco- before coming here. I have never met anyone, but that doesn't mean anything, I've met that many people who can remember having been an animal I've never met anyone like that but I've certainly met people who remember having come from the Deva realm and the the remembrance is usually not such a far away Deva realm it's not the Brahma realm which is much higher but the remembrance is one of utter beauty um, almost uh, the beauty is so that the senses get satiated and that there is no that the desires are very, very limited because everything is there anyway so in the Brahman realms, which are four and the highest is uh, the the Brahma, I'm I'm Brahma, the highest um, this is no form not even subtle form but then in between there are the realms of subtle form and uh, here that word is missing and that is a mistake because if we have the desire realm well obviously we've got form, haven't Haven't we? we've got some form here there's some form sitting here but then it says being with form well that's the subtle form those are the uh, and then it says being without form being without form, yes well being without form are the four highest and with the subtle form those are the in-between realms between the deva and the brahma realms which are the higher deva realms where the form is so subtle that we could never hope to have any um, yeah, any uh, awareness of them through the eyes through the uh, physical eye but people who are highly developed whose meditation is highly developed and whose purity is highly developed certainly have connection um, it's very difficult to know exactly to which realm the Buddha spoke about the highest Brahma coming to see him at his enlightenment in order to beg him to teach And uh, in another occasion, when he (coughs) spoke the Mahamangala Sutta, the the Discourse on the Great Blessings, it starts out with that a beautiful deva appeared whose light lit up the whole grove where the Buddha was staying. So he was certainly uh, in touch with such beings. and that's what the three kinds of beings are mentioned here and we belong to the uh, ones with sensual desire as we well know the... uh, when the form, the body isn't so strong as ours naturally the senses aren't that developed either so the sensual desire is in those beings with subtle form and no form no longer an issue when there is no form, there is no sensual desire the sensual, these senses that we have are uh, connected to the body so the no form and also the subtle form in, in between, the sensual desire is not an issue with us it's an issue and uh, it's uh, an unfortunate issue it constantly takes people off the uh, development um, even what the Buddha did because he realized it was a very unfortunate issue this sense desire was that for the time he practiced the most rigorous asceticism where he would eat at one rice corn a day and things like that and uh, mortified the body and found out that that didn't do any good either and uh, that's why his teaching is called the middle path because he then said, no indulgence, but also no asceticism, the middle, just normal common sense living. And um, very difficult sometimes for people to know what is normal common sense living, because uh, we are in the sensual desire realm, and sensual desires, when they are not um, excessive, seem to be uh, quite all right so one has to learn that for oneself so that's the answer to this um, question about beings three kinds of beings any question about that before we go on to something else yeah the
1: non-return
0: is going to the four brahma yes he goes to the, to the one of the four brahma it depends how well he's done his jhanas. the jhanas are the vehicle for the highest realms and uh, the uh, four divine abidings uh, for Brahma Viharas are the um, abodes of the gods so it depends on how well one has done one's loving kindness, compassion joy with others and equanimity and it depends how well one has done one's eight Uh, jhanas even for the one who hasn't got any um, any uh, past moments they'd still go to a very high realm but the non-returner goes to the highest highest partner realms and has to sit around there for a long time so the Buddha didn't think that that was a very desirable thing to do but then I mean it's even less desirable to stay around here
1: so the highest um, being that, that being comes come back to the
0: human realm oh, of course the non-returner can't but you can go to the Brahma realms even without being a non-returner uh-huh. the non-returner can't come back that's why he's called a non-returner he doesn't come back to the uh, human realm the once-returner comes back once yes. Yes. but one can practice in the Brahma realms if one can keep the. One's mind together. If one doesn't get caught up in this idea that one is all omniscient and omnipresent and everlasting, one can also practice there. But uh, then one can actually do something there too. But the devas come around. They listen to the dhamma. But
1: it's from
0: yes, the whole lot of them are devas. It's just divided up into all these different. Uh, stages. Yes, the problem is how so today. go to any of the
1: lower
0: You mean visiting? Yes. Uh, I know, yes, I suppose so. <laughs> I mean, if the devas come here, then yes. this is the lower realm. Yes, but this is a realm where the dhamma is being preached. There isn't much of it, but, I mean, whatever there is of it, that they come around to listen
1: Mm. I don't
0: know about preaching the Dhamma but uh, he's uh, you see the time that we think of past and future and present doesn't exist in reality none of this exists in reality there only is so the next Buddha the previous Buddha all these consciousnesses exist they're all there and that we don't see them right now is because we are limited in our perception but they're all there everything, all this consciousness is there I mean, you, c- people have you know, made a, like um, the idea of what this Buddha is going to look like but uh, that's not so, it's a consciousness that is there yes, certainly that consciousness is there and because it's a consciousness of a Buddha of course it's not on this plane at this time although there are traditions that say, yes, it's right here, too. Anybody's got some ideas about those things. So what they, you know, what they think is most suitable. But the Buddha said, uh, uh, talked about these realms, in the long discourses, there's uh, uh, quite long discussions about these things, um, because it belonged to his culture. But um, when we read that kind of thing that is there, we think, oh, my God, what can that have to do with us? But I mean, in our culture, there are angels, archangels, there's paradise, there's the pearly gates. I mean, all that stuff exists too. And uh, people talk about them and people think about it and they want to have a nice seat up there and have a decent harp and... uh, (laughs) you <laughs> know, and stick around for a long time. Don't want to be thrown out again. I mean, we've got the same ideas. It's just different uh, verbiage. So, um, but the Buddha explains this on this, um, in this way, making 31 different um, levels of consciousness as the name, um, and giving them all names, each one. And if we, d- if we look at it in this metaphorical way, that there are levels of consciousness, well, you qu- know that, for instance, in one of the jhana states, particularly the um, arupas, the non-material jhanas, five, six, seven, eight, the consciousness is totally different than what we have now. Totally different so we know that there are different levels of consciousness we don't have to go far, all we have to do is do jhanas and we know all about it so that's why it said the eight jhanas are the vehicle for the highest realms and uh, then one could infer from that that in the highest realm the consciousness is always on in, in that state and doesn't come back to an ordinary consciousness or ordinary in our way of thinking so it makes a, 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 it makes sense because we can actually uh, experience it ourselves. All right. Anything? Any questions? Um, these stories that people tell about
1: having died and come back to him, I mean, you say they're alive and you see people they know that died. Does that fit in here?
0: No. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I've read it myself. I know exactly what you're saying. I've read Life After Life and Life After Death, and it all sounds extremely authentic. Um, I would say that it's very much um, part of their own mind that is uh, operating, because the mind isn't dead. It's the body that's dead. The mind isn't dead. So their mind is operating and doing that. Light, yeah, well. None of this none of this has any bearing on this. Yes. And people they know it's nice, you know. I mean this also something don't forget that many people have this I mean, have lost their parents, have lost their husbands, their wives, their children and uh, you know, through death. And then the mind is very strongly attached to that and wants to see these people again. I have no idea. I haven't. I haven't experienced it. I don't know what's there. Did that
1: make sense? I, I don't know if said uh, a child who came from a very
0: religious saw Jesus when she died. Mm, That's right. And he came back it and from that's right. Yes. Buddhist kid would see as Buddha. Yeah. Sure. I mean, that is uh, that is how also the mystics of the different religions have all these extremely um, diverse explanations of what, what they are experiencing and that's exactly what they are experiencing but if you really look at it with a scientific more scientific analytical mind you can see that they have experienced one thing and then made the story around it you know it was quite clear when we were reading Teresa you know, she experiences joy, and then she says, yes, but that must be His Majesty, because only His Majesty could do something like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But that's her idea. Mm-hmm. So it, I think that's more or less what's happening there. But you know, that's a personal opinion. I have no inside knowledge of what's going on there. Actually, we, somebody knows somebody who's had that experience. must ask these people sometimes. <laughs> I no. ah, a friend a friend is by the way the word that um, avuso which was used amongst monks in the time of the Buddha they called each other friend but when the Buddha was on his deathbed he said that should be now stopped and the uh, senior monks should call the junior ones by their names and the junior ones could should call the senior ones Reverend Sir so that friend business was stopped at Savuso and that was no longer used friend how is renewed being in the future generated renewed being in the future is generated for beings who shut in by ignorance and fettered by craving the light in this and that so actually what he's asking is how is, why is how is rebirth appearing renewed being in the future why do we get reborn? constant question so he says the reason we are being reborn is because the beings who do this are shut in by ignorance and they are fettered by craving the liking and this and that now the craving is of three kinds and the three kinds of craving that bring us back to this um, lovely world that we live in is uh, craving for existence which is the first one which is well shut in by ignorance the craving for existence and then the uh, craving for essential gratification we like it nice and actually this craving for existence of course would take care if we let go of that would take care of essential gratification uh, craving, but it's the hardest one to deal with because it's underlying everything that we are and that we do. So, craving for existence is something that we can only even even dimly uh, notice when the mind has become very much imbued with that understanding, with the mindfulness of checking the inner states and with a strong concentration but the desire for sensual gratification well that's easy to see that's not difficult so it is an easier one to get at the desire for sensual gratification it is um, delighting in this and that now the delight is actually the important word there now it doesn't mean that we should then mortify ourselves or have nothing at all that is pleasant. But if we delight in the sensual gratification, we want it again and again. There's no doubt about it. When we have delight in something, we want it over and over again. And this is already the actual experience of rebirth over and over I want this again I, it's nice it's pleasant it's uh, giving me some um, uh, comfort It's uh, it looks like an escape hatch it's um, something that will um, soothe my, my uh, anxiety it uh, prevents me from knowing my fears so I must have it again and that's how of course uh, addictions then Uh, arise now addictions do not necessarily have to be alcoholic or drug based there are many other addictions and uh, people most people have some and to see them is very interesting in oneself it's um, because one can see that they don't do anything for one when one watches them they don't have any uh, real uh, result. There's no real result because one can't renew the uh, gratification so quickly that one is never out of it. So the, um, that is the thing that one can really hook into, the delight in this and that. And see that this is not going to really um, remove one's dukkha. It's only a momentary pill that one takes. It's almost like an aspirin, which uh, every time one hurts, one takes an aspirin. Well, in the end, one is hooked on aspirins or something worse. But um, in between each aspirin, there's always the pain again. So one has to take one after another after another, and most people don't do it with aspirins. Most people do it with other things. And one of the things that people do use is um, fantasies making up fantasies in the mind now some people who do that uh, who are making up fantasies in the mind get so caught in them that they actually can't meditate they do want to learn it but they can't because the mind is so geared towards thinking making up stories other people are more fortunate and having realized that this is a fantasy then they can actually put their mind to meditation delighting in, in this or that does not mean that from that moment on when we see this that there aren't going to be any essential gratifications we can't help it they're always going to be there but delighting the in them means that we want them all the time and this is the danger and this is where we have to do something about it and it is we can see our own rebirth every morning we don't have to wait till we physically die you can watch your own rebirth every morning bring back we bring with you to the next morning everything you've done the day before and if it was good and proper and uh, helpful and profitable it's going to be a nice uh, waking up because we bring our karma with us and if it wasn't well then there's going to be some sort of regret in the mind it's uh, a feeling of um, not being contented with what one has brought with one and it's uh, like in early morning when the the day is young when the body has um, rested and then as the day goes on one makes a new karma and in the evening it's dead tired and then comes a small death one doesn't know what's happening in the sleep and so this, this rebirth affair is happening actually every second but we can see it. It's a little difficult to see every second. We can see it in every day. Every single day is a new rebirth. And we only have this one day. Actually, we only have this one minute, I mean second, one moment. But we can say we only have this one day in which we can actually um, work for our own spiritual benefit. It's not in the future. It's not in the past and the delighting which is mm, the craving that we delight in when we get it gratified that is of course something that takes us off the spiritual path I mean it's a, it's a total um, uh, distraction from that so there <coughs> then the question comes how is renewed being in the future not generated with a fading of ignorance, with the arising of true knowledge with the cessation of craving the new being in the future is thus not generated well the fading of ignorance is the fading of the ignoring of the four noble truths ignorance is um, avijja. Avijja is wisdom a is the non-syllable, so it's non-wisdom but ignorance is very often explained practically always as ignoring the four noble truths the first noble truth that there's Dukkha second one the arising of Dukkha the cause for Dukkha which is craving the third one which is Nibbana the removal of the cessation of all craving uh, of all Dukkha sorry and the fourth one the noble eightfold path so that's the the uh, fading of ignorance now the first two noble truths quite easy no problem at all if we really take our uh, mind to see the things the way things really are we can see that there is a constant unease in the mind wanting things to be different from the way they are and that's the reason for dukkha complete and total and utter contentment brings such peace to the mind which we can experience in the uh, in the jhana and the third jhana, for instance, that there is no real movement. There is still some, but not not nothing like the irritation of the wishing and wanting. But we're so used to our wishing and wanting and the dukkha that that produces that it takes a very mindful mind and a very concentrated mind to actually notice it but when one does a jhanas one knows the difference the difference between the ordinary mind state which is wishing and wanting and therefore having dukkha all the time and the mind state which is at ease and contented (coughs) (coughs) now obviously one can't live one's life sitting with legs crossed in a little meditation room and having the jhanas is impossible I mean one has to do other things also and even in a meditation retreat we have to do other things effects they certainly do not take away our dukkha so that's why it is essential that we realize that the jhanas are the means and the goal is insight and only insight into true knowledge the arising of true knowledge that's inside, only that will eventually take away all the dukkha because then there's no renewed being and that renewed being that we can experience every morning, every day will then also not have any dukkha so the, uh, while the jhanas do help us to recognize the fact that if we don't want anything there is no dukkha They certainly do not prevent us from having this wanting again. So the first two noble truths are very easy to see. Whenever we don't like things the way they are, we want it different, there is that unease in the mind. When we are totally contented and completely at ease, then there are moments of non-dukkha. But that complete contentment can only come about when the person who wants these things is no longer available there is body and mind but that person that's been wanting this and that has disappeared now that is the ar- arising of true knowledge and then comes the cessation of craving the cessation of craving meaning that the, cr- in particular that the craving for existence has ceased because if there's nobody there then the cessation of craving to be has ceased and if one no longer wants to be whatever is happening out there it doesn't have any impact because what is one always afraid of that what might happen old age and uh, poverty, death uh, non- non-support for one's ego illusion all these things that one is afraid of have all gone because the um, whatever the world is doing it can no longer touch such a person because there is no wish to be and if there's no wish to be what could possibly hurt? the being is um, was, was um, this expressed by actually by Sariputta's teacher who only is known I've forgotten his name Bella something or other Anyway, um, he's only known through this one statement. Uh, he was, of course, fully enlightened, and uh, he was said one time, he on qu- was asked a question, um, what was the most important thing for him to do now, that he was enlightened? And he said, waiting for the body to break up. That's all that needs to be done. There's nothing else to be done. And when you wait, I mean, everybody, every one of us is waiting for this body to break up, whether we are enlightened or not. It's definitely going to break up. But most people have so many ideas what we should do between now and the time that it does break up that they don't even want to think about it that it's going to break up. But he said, that's all that needs to be done. So with that, um, the uh, nothing can touch such a person any longer because there's nobody there that can be touched. So that's the cessation of craving to be and then with that the renewed being in the future is thus not generated. But for that to happen, one has to have enough insight to recognize that our way of looking at ourselves and the world is completely deluded. We're seeing it with completely uh, deluded eyes As if those things which exist, people and nature and everything else, has a solid core in them. A solid core which is going to remain. And in reality, there's nothing that remains. It's all moving the whole time. And because it's all moving the whole time, there's nothing to to grasp, to hang on to, there's nothing of significance, nothing at all. And that's signless liberation, having seen impermanence. Nothing that can be insignificant at all. Now, if you think about that for a moment, now think, what is significant? I've got to stay alive. Why? Because, now then, a whole string of reasons. Are they really significant? To make any difference to th- through the universe, that make any difference to your neighbours, doesn't make any difference at all. And if one can give up that idea that there is something so solid and so important and such a core, and realize that the reality is totally different, then the mind doesn't have to come because there's nothing to do. Just it just is. Everything just is. And we can just peacefully wait for this body to break up. That's all. And it will. You can have a written guarantee, if you like. Signed by me. (laughs) Right, well, that's enough for one evening. Any questions on that?
2: Yeah. a very practical question. This is something I always wonder. if not to be doing so much with practice, but it's more of a curiosity. Yes, I, I always notice with clients that it's a very strong craving to be. I can almost feel it, that it's a you know, it's craving it to be alive. Yet, mm. from, from my understanding, that there is no consciousness. Yet there is a force there, mm. crazy to be. I always wonder how explain that. Since
0: time Well, they don't have a thought process that we have, but they certainly have feelings I am. Um, well, there's a book on that actually, which is very interesting. But I myself made an experiment one time, and uh, I had a, a sweet potato two sweet potatoes and I put some um, toothpicks on each side and put them in a glass of water and one of them I put in the room where I was living and the other one I put in an empty room and the one in the room where I was living this thing, you know, they, they have then green uh, shoots come out they all do and uh, this one I kept looking at and talking to and saying that it was very beautiful, and I liked it a lot. Well, within a year, it covered the whole wall of, one of that, one whole wall of that room. And the other one, which was in a room by itself, which I never went to look at, just to see that it had water, it had uh, three shoots on one side and two on the other, each one that long. And it has been, people have made much more experiments than that, and have talked to plants and have put them, played music for them and have um, broken broken a neighboring plant and they have certain, re- they have reactions plants have reaction. there's no doubt about it there's a very good book on that, uh, what was it called? Oh. that's it, yes, that's right Secret Life of Plants they certainly have feelings Well, I did with that experiment. I mean, one can grow and the other one doesn't. No, it's due, it's due to the fact, well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yes, maybe, who knows. <laughs> but the people who wrote the book, they made more than one experiment. And with that one, more than one experiment, they certainly came to the conclusion that there is a very strong. Um, reaction
1: by plants
0: and you can see it actually um, the plant that you have that you look at and love they always grow nicely and others don't and uh, if you have two plants and you cut one or hurt it in any way the other plant also feels very badly it shrivels up Uh, and these people have made more than that, just such, such um, uh, small experiments. They, they really made uh, quite a number of them. Mm. So they certainly have feelings, no doubt about it. It's quite uh, conclusive. We should get the book, Secret Life of Plants. Mm. It's very interesting, very, very interesting. It's a... Uh, I couldn't... Uh, think anything else except that it was going Well, I had done the experiment years before that, but uh, it's a very interesting, because also, you see, this is why it's very important to eat the things that grow around you, because you have the, uh, uh, they have this, uh, you have a certain connection with them, and not imported from somewhere where uh, thousands of miles away and then eat it it's much better to eat the stuff that's all around you and in the old days people knew the herbs that grew around them and they could eat those there is innumerable leaves in this forest here that we could eat but we don't know which ones much much better because we are the same thing as a plant same four elements they're no different. You can make the experiment in the forest, talk to one of them. Pick one out and talk to it. See what it
2: does. Well mm. mm.
0: They don't have mental formations, like we do. Uh, you know, they can't figure things out, which is probably to their advantage, because we, we figure things out and get uh, totally wrong ideas. But, I mean, they can't invent anything either. I mean, we invent things, but uh, they certainly have feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. When we we had a large vegetable garden, and we had everything grew ourselves, everything we ate. And when we went in the garden and cut the le- lettuce or whatever we did, we'd always uh, first um, talk to them to the lettuce and say that you know we needed it for our own um, nourishment, and so that the other lettuces would also know and p- apologize for. Inflicting any harm, and the stuff certainly flourished. So it's a, there is certainly a secret life of plants here. It's quite quite uh, interesting.
1: Yeah, it's
0: harder to notice. It's harder to notice, um, but you can now the feeling that one, if you touch a stone, they are so different stones, you know, and the feeling you get in your hand has a lot, is, is also quite different from different stones. You can actually sometimes, uh, I have touched stones where I could, it felt as if it was the ocean, so they might have been at the bottom of an ocean once. and it really felt like ocean. I mean, it didn't feel watery, but it had that movement. It's very, very strong. Or even watery, also. Everything has feeling. But uh, with plants, it's the easiest to feel. M- easier than with stones. With stones, not so easy. What did it do with them? Oh, yes. I don't know. Does it work? I don't know. I know. Yeah, I don't know. I can
1: bounce it. I know that. Yeah? It works with headaches. Yeah? But still,
0: there is this level of consciousness. Sure. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. It's only not this, the, the, the thinking process isn't there. You know, this reasoning process, that isn't there that we have. But the feeling is definitely there.
2: Yeah. You know, I thought,
0: it's very funny because you know, the whole earth isn't at and I can feel like craving to be at like the earth
2: itself, the whole earth itself. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's how it started. Yeah, just I like thought you know, if there's
1: enough consciousness, you know, if
0: there's no craving to be, how can you be here? Mm-hmm. But I, that's, mm-hmm. I don't know, I thought it might be just because of my mind having... Having <laughs> <my> mind <laughs> a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is uh, also... Uh, one of the things which is so um, absurd in our agriculture the uh, uh, agriculture has been taught as if the earth was a dead thing that had to be manipulated but in reality the earth is alive and uh, it doesn't have to be manipulated it just has to be treated properly It's um, Some of of those thoughts were brought out in the uh, Don Juan stories. uh, Mm. mm. That's That's right. That some of those thoughts were brought out there that, you know, everything's alive around us. And it's no different from us. It's all one and the same. It's even possible, you know, if a person is also uh, not uninteresting, maybe, in this context, if a person is wearing a piece of jewelry and has had it on for a while, and you can take it in your ha- you take it in your hand, you can learn a lot about that person. It's very interesting. It's taking on the vibes of that person. I mean, not everybody feels it, but if you've been meditating well, you certainly feel it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. A
2: thinking, but yeah.
0: Thinking, yeah. yeah 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 the level of consciousness but not the thinking process well with the you know with that with that reasoning aspect the
2: universe.
0: absolutely that's right that's right six chahana whole universe of consciousness and we don't have any, any monopoly on that and we don't have a separate one either we're just part of it all and trying to make things nicer for us which is absurd if we were just to stay with it and be in it everything would be fine So it's our reasoning and our thinking that makes it difficult.
1: Sorry? (laughs) It (laughs) seems
2: to me that there's absolutely nothing. There's no logic or there's no foundation in the thinking at all. The whole thing is a disadvantage. Uh, it seems to be less than the
0: the of course, I mean, much, much less, less of course, mm-hmm. certainly
2: mm-hmm.
0: and one can twist logic mm-hmm. because we're smart enough to twist it you know we've we've got every ability to twist things around, so yes the only thing that's reliable is the feeling because that's the experience and then the understanding of the experience doesn't have to be logic it's just a knowing that's what the Buddha is talking about, a knowing knowing what's going on right, anything else? The feeling's are reliable. The mind's making up the stories around it. The feeling is <laughs> totally <laughs> reliable. <laughs> feeling is all <are> right. <laughs> it's the stories that are not reliable. That's why when we have the guidelines of the Buddha, who is extremely analytical and objective, you see he's got a totally objective explanation of everything, and then know what they the feeling can actually mean then we don't have to make up stories and we see the feeling and we say, oh yes, that's that we've had the feeling so if we are prevented from making up stories the uh, the thing falls together in the end you know, fits, everything fits together it's, a, it's our storytelling you see, like I was saying when Teresa de Villa was exper- experiencing the jhanas she was getting married to Christ well, I mean, that's obviously her mind telling a story, isn't it? I mean, when we experience the jhanas, we're not getting married to Christ I mean, it's the last thing I had in mind (laughs) 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 but I'm experiencing exactly the same thing that she was experiencing and yet my mind isn't telling that story so that's, the the feeling is the same, but the feeling is only one thing, and because it's only one thing, and you see, the Buddha didn't tell stories about siddhas. Nothing. He just said, "That's it. That's what you feel. One one sentence at the most, too. It's all he's saying, You see, rest of this." In fact, the higher jhanas, he doesn't even say more than one sentence He says, "This is the base of nothing." Finished. No, no explanations, no elaborations. That's it. Finished. Whereas in the in the uh, when the mind starts telling stories about it, then of course you have a, a opportunity to go astray. The feeling is reliable that we have because we experience that. It's the same old story of biting into the mango. People can tell you any story about a mango but you don't know a thing about it until you've bitten into it. And then when you've bitten into it then you know it's soft and it's juicy and it's sweet and uh, all the rest of it because you've actually been tasting it. But then the only reason you can say it's a mango is because somebody told you it's a mango in reality you don't know it's a mango somebody said that's a mango but what you actually know it's juicy, it's sweet, it's soft that's all you know so that the understood experience is only because we know the Buddha said if that is happening that's what's happening that's all we only have the feeling that's all it's quite reassuring actually because we don't have to make up anything you don't have to invent anything please put the attention on the breath for just a few moments forgive yourself for anything that you've ever thought you've done wrong complete forgiveness, acceptance and recognition of the difficulty being human And now forgive your parents for anything that you think they've done wrong. Recognition and acceptance of the difficulties that they've had or are still having. forgive anyone whom you find difficult recognizing and accepting how difficult it is to be a human being complete forgiveness for all that you have ever objected to forgive all those people in the world about whom you have heard or read who you think are acting badly forgive them recognize their difficulties embrace them with your forgiveness let your forgiveness which has love and acceptance embedded in it pour out of your heart to beings everywhere who are struggling and fighting for their own bit of happiness Give them for anything they might be doing. things in the world that are happening which you don't like and accept them just the way they are whatever it may be and let your forgiveness and your love reach out (coughs) to all the people who are generating things that you don't like and feel how this acceptance and forgiveness creates peace in your own heart your own heart and recognize any wish hope ambition desire and drop it for a moment accepting things the way they are just as it is and have complete acceptance and forgiveness for yourself let all the wishes and desires float away just be there at peace and now expand your heart to its greatest size that you can manage and let the peace that is in it Embrace the world with all its being, human and otherwise. Put your attention back on yourself. Have no wish, no desire, just peace. Recognize its lovely texture within you. be peace in the hearts of all beings